This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 9, Episode 3, Welcome to the Badlands. Uh, we don't have any announcements for you today, so we're going to jump right on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 9, Episode 2, Survival. Last episode, we got to see firsthand um, just how harsh the wilds of Manifest uh, could be and also how dangerous with all kinds of flora and fauna that kind of wanted to eat us, really. And then also uh, just how how harsh the weather was. Um, that's uh, Is that sort of like what the planet's like in general? Manifest has always been a harsh and dangerous uh, planet to exist on. While there may be certain aspects of the planet that are similar to, say, Earth, uh, it is definitely an alien planet that never evolved to truly cater to human life. And we keep hearing about the Badlands, but the Badlands is actually only one region on Manifest. It's, it's the largest region. Uh, the Badlands is a collection of deserts and arid mesas that takes up about 75% of the planet's surface. Uh, however, it's not where the majority of the population of Manifest exists. Most of the people who live on Manifest live in the region called the Garden. Uh, it's rolling grassy plains, forests, uh, a little bit more hospitable, though significantly smaller than the Badlands. So uh, because of that, uh, the settlements are closer together. The factory towns there are even more overcrowded than other factory towns. Uh, and the Garden is kind of the bastion of the closest thing to civilization on Manifest. And the third largest region of Manifest is on the southern uh, is on the southern tip of it, uh, and that is the wastes. Uh, the wastes are humid, hot swamplands, and as you might imagine, the wastes has the lowest population density on Manifest. Uh, survival in every region of Manifest is tough, even even the Garden, uh, though the Garden is much more temperate and kind to the human constitution. Uh, but every region has its own diaspora of beasts uh, and sentient plant life that can threaten unlucky travelers. The bestiary for Manifest draws inspiration heavily from North and South American folklore. And as the campaign progresses, you guys will continue to get a glimpse of some of the beasts that can be used in the game. Uh, in addition to the dangerous animals that inhabit Manifest, uh, the terrain itself can be dangerous, as we've seen. You guys are high up in the mountains, uh, you have the cold, frigid air, and fatigue is, a, is an element of travel in Manifest. It is a streamlined way to represent uh, characters succumbing to the elements, whether it's walking across the, the dunes of the southern badlands and having to withstand the heat, or traveling on the frozen tundra of the northern pole of Manifest uh, and having to uh, combat the cold. It all boils down to fatigue damage, which, depending on the situation, can be resisted by a couple different skills. The other thing we saw a little bit of in the last episode was how 
characters can um, use their supplies to ease their passage through difficult terrain. For instance, we saw Clayton use uh, what's referred to as a specialty item. Uh, He had that retractable ladder and footbridge. Uh, Specialty items are a variety of gadgets and gear that characters can purchase or craft that have specific rules uh, determining their usage and uh, how to make them. But we also saw the use of general supplies when the team was hammering in pythons and rope along that narrow path to kind of mitigate any negative penalties or potential athletics or gymnastic gymnastic tests they may have had to make to safely travel uh, safely cross it and uh, general supplies are much more freeform because when designing manifest we wanted to incorporate that kind of surv- uh, that kind of frontier survival element of having to have enough supplies on hand to uh, to survive without forcing players to have to spend a significant amount of time on inventory management general goods kind of fill that purpose perfectly um, in order to survive Humanity on Manifest had to develop the ability to slap together just about anything out of the appropriate scraps. So when a character desires to have a basic item with non-advanced rules implications, uh, all they need to do is consume a bundle of the appropriate type of material to make it happen. This doesn't require a roll or anything. It just requires supplies because the ability to repurpose junk is so ingrained in the inhabitants of Manifest that even the least crafty person can see a pile of wires and turn it into a flashlight. Uh, There are three different types of crafting materials on Manifest, and they're represented in players' inventories by quantities referred to as cubes. Need lockpicks to get through a a door? Convert a machinery cube in your inventory into a set of lockpicks. Need a stethoscope to listen through said door? Convert a first aid cube in your inventory to a stethoscope. Need a short range radio to coordinate with your team before you go through said door? Convert a tech cube into a walkie talkie. Uh, The primary difference between general goods and specialty items is that general goods are considered simple tools that can be utilized to allow a character to do something simple. These aren't items that generate incredibly, incredibly great benefits. They just allow them to do a specific job. And we'll definitely be talking more about the ins and outs of actual crafting on Manifest in future episodes. Uh, For now, focusing on episode two, I want to know, Addie, what was your favorite part? Uh, One of my favorite things about Manifest is like the crazy fauna. And we saw one of those great examples with the slide rock bolter. I love the idea of like this big old mouth thing with teeny tiny little legs, like lining up a shot and just like sliding down at us and and just missing. Um, And then like taking a year to like climb back up with those teeny tiny, I guess, super strong appendages. And um, that imagery uh, is just my favorite part but it's also my favorite part just because it's just the smallest taste of like all of the craziness that you can find on manifest if you go looking it would have been a quick way down the mountain but who boy <laughs> the slide rock bolter is absolutely taken from uh old american folklore it's a uh, Back in the frontier time, uh, uh, stories were made to explain uh, mysterious deaths from people in mountains. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I love. I, I love that that all that stuff is coming to life and uh, and also just the way that we got to interact with it and see it for the first time and how weird it is. I love it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what was your favorite part? 
my favorite part had to be the introduction of shoot the shit. (laughs) Those of you familiar with the third series of the podcast, Uncharted Worlds, might recognize some similarities between uh, Uncharted Worlds, Cramped Quarters, and Manifests, Shoot the Shit. That is because I love systems that have mechanics that encourage roleplay. And uh, on a personal note, it's always satisfying as a GM to be able to kind of sit back and have the players just roll some dice and roleplay with each other while I take a breather or, or prepare the next encounter. Uh, and Shoot the Shit is perfect for that. And it, and it really helps uh, fill those those large stretches of travel where uh, not a whole lot is, is going on. It'd be really boring to play Manifest and just skip over travel and just jump straight to the next encounter because like settlements on Manifest are pretty spread out. Even in the garden, it can take days to get from one settlement to another, uh, depending on your mode of transportation. Uh, and during that time, you're going to be traveling through open stretches of land, setting up camp, and it would be crazy for your characters not to get to know each other a little bit or get to bond over some things or get to have a bit of a falling out and get on each other's nerves during during such a long time of just being around only each other. So it was a no-brainer for me to incorporate something like Shoot the Shit in Manifest Mechanics. Yeah, and from at least the player's perspective for me, I also love Shoot the Shit. It's one of those things where I always wish we spent more time like talking to each other in non-crisis scenarios. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that uh, shoot the shit definitely lets us do that. And, and it's um, it makes it feel real and it makes it feel like time is passing. And I really, really enjoyed it uh, through the play tests. And, and now uh, we've gotten the d- to do it in the podcast and hopefully we'll get to do it a little bit more. But we could continue talking about the ins and outs of the system, or we could show it to you. We've only done two episodes so far. You guys haven't quite made it out of the mountains yet, but you're nearly there. And then who knows what's in store for you. So without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 9, Episode 3, Welcome to the Badlands. Enjoy! Greetings, I'm Clayton Sawyer. You may not have heard of me, but I'm one of the best bounty hunters in the Badlands. I got a few advantages, you see. First is sugar, Maache, and even though I only found her a few years back, my best friend. She was the runner for a herd and probably couldn't keep up and was cast out, and I know how that feels. So me and her bonded, and she grew up right with me stepping in as her daddy. The second edge I got, hunting bounties, is that I'm illuminated, and my abilities grant me an advantage that most of the nastiest outlaws ever got bounty can't compete with. The thing about being illuminated is that those same abilities that give me all those powers and advantages are also unsettling to most folk. They can understand a gun or a knife, but they can't quite figure the threat someone like me might be to them. That's why me and Suge are always moving, hunting, and on to the next bounty, leaving people behind before they can make us get. One day, me and Suge are going to pull in a big bounty, and we'll make enough to settle into our own homestead where we can be ourselves and ain't nobody gonna try to drive us away again. We'll wrestle cattle, do some farming, and live a quiet life on our own little slice of the Badlands. Howdy, folks. Name's Roy Hampton. Now I know what you're thinking. How did such a dashing young man come to be robbing you today? Well, you get to handing over your spurs, and I'll tell you what's what. I grew up in a factory town with my mamas Helen and Kate. Helen was a kind, quiet lady, kept her head down to raise me best as she could. But Mama Kate, she was the kind of woman who couldn't help but stand up for us. 
even when we weren't asking. In the city, there's two kinds of folks. The family and people paying the family. And Mama Kate wasn't about to be either. Problem is, when you're standing up to a planetary crime syndicate, you and yours are liable to end up in the dirt. So when the Jimmies came to our home, my mamas held them off long enough for me to escape. After that, thieving wasn't a choice. It was survival. Now, miss, you ain't gonna get to that holdout before I lose this arrow. Just sit tight. We're almost through. See, turns out I got a knack for this life. Key is to always have the advantage. Never pick a fair fight. Second trick is to rob folks that can afford to lose it. And there ain't nobody richer than the family. There was a time I was hitting the family so hard I was taking enough spurs to live like a king. Trouble is, family ain't inclined to let robbery of that magnitude slide. Hence the 800 spur bounty on my head. Now I know y'all are feeling a few spurs short, but look on the bright side. Next time you throw a fancy shindig, you can tell the story of the time you were robbed by Roy Hampton, legendary outlaw. Y'all have a nice day now. Howdy. Folks around here call me Badlands Pete. You might have heard some tales about me. About how I use a rattler as a lasso, or how I ride a ball tail cat. Oh, maybe you heard the one about how I punched the peak off of the tallest mountain of Manifest. <laughs> now, I ain't saying those stories are true. But I, I ain't saying they ain't. See, when I was a youngin', my parents decided the factory town life was getting to be too much factory and not enough town. So they packed us up and headed toward the freedom of the Badlands. Not too long after we crossed into the wilds, I wandered off after a working pup, my parents up, and left me behind. It was alright. It was that pup's pack when they took me in. It raised me. Taught me how to be a survivor, just like them. And my brother Tommy, sorry, Thomas, well he came looking for me years later. He took me back to the big city with him, cleaned me up, and reminded me how to speak, and tried to help me back into civilized life. But I reckon after 20 years in the wild, the wild's in you for good. And it kept calling me. Before long, I, I found myself headed back to where I knew was home. Now I travel the Badlands, and folks can't seem to help but tell another story about me everywhere I go. You're welcome to come along, see if I live up to the legend. Because you see, the Badlands are my home. I reckon I ain't leaving them again anytime soon. My name is Juliet Hunt, and I've been a drifter nearly my whole life. My parents were killed by bandits when I was far too young. I only survived because a gunslinger named Avery came along and rescued me. Being that I was an orphan, he took me under his wing and taught me to shoot like him. Passed on the craft, like a father to a daughter. After Avery died, I drifted alone for a time, until happenstance brought me to Cyrus Finch. He's loud, flashy, full of cockamamie ideas, and occasionally a criminal. And I, I ain't any of those things. We ended up drifting together a long while, and gotten to mourn a few situations we never saw coming, including getting hitched. Like all drifters that live past their prime, we eventually hung up our irons, and we settled down in a nice little town in the Badlands. Now, I ain't so retired that I won't oblige somebody who's in desperate need of a bullet. And Cyrus has to sate his itch to run a grift from time to time. But by our standards, it's a quiet kind of life. For a long while, it was a pleasant life. Until Cyrus up and disappeared without a word. Now, 
he ain't the most communicative individual, but I just got this gut feeling that something ain't right, and Avery taught me better than to ignore my gut. So I've closed up shop, took up my irons, and set out drifting again. My Cyrus is out there somewhere, and I'm gonna find him. And when I do, oh boy, he better be in need of saving. Otherwise, he's in trouble. The last time we left our drifters, they were escorting a small group of passengers from a derailed train attacked by the Walden Brothers gang, who jumped aboard, stole a couple things, and then made their escape as soon as the drifters proved too much for them to handle. The journey to the bottom of the mountains was tough, but you guys have nearly made it. You uh, had to scare away a few ball tail cats, but uh, that venture proved successful and everyone can sort of rest in for the night, uh, set up the normal watch schedule. And uh, the next day, uh, you guys are packing up the camp and uh, getting ready to go. No longer are the followers arguing over who gets to ride the horse. Uh, as the terrain has leveled out quite a bit. And you basically just have to make it through uh, the rest of this valley to enter the Badlands proper. And at that point, you're only a couple days away from your destination of Waypoint. As you guys are walking, Cade kind of speaks out loud to no one in particular, just saying, I wonder if the militia got our message. Maybe they'll send a, someone to Waypoint to pick us up. If I was the Walden gang, I would have come back and just sort of taken all our stuff after it was clear that the train was uh, totally unusable, as it were. But hey, optimistically, sure, I bet the militia got there and everything's fine. <laughs> so so you say that, and everyone's face drops like crestfallen, and Francis Gibson goes, my telescopes. <laughs> Even Badlands Pete's like, oh, read the room, man. <laughs> Uh, you travel for the better part of the day and break open into the Badlands. Finally, the rocky terrain kind of levels out and you can see the far horizon of uh, the arid Badlands uh, uh, ahead of you. Uh, way off in the distance, uh, uh, you can't even see the next set of mountains or hilly terrain as the, the heat bounces off the ground, making, uh, making the horizon kind of shimmer. And you guys continue moving along the way and the journey is relatively carefree at this point uh the terrain isn't against you you have pretty good line of sight all around you for uh incoming threats of which you see none so time for another round of shoot the shit each of you pick a character to roll personality as an attribute only test for and see how you get along during this uh during this trip uh, I'll go for, um, Susan's dad, Joseph Taylor. Yeah. I've been taking over for his watches, so, you know, and also, you know, suspiciously, he decided that, like, we should do watches, which is weird for a obviously moneyed individual, so I want to see what's up, where to get his money or whatever. Okay, so go ahead and roll personality as an attribute-only test. Uh, who else? I'll pick uh I'll pick Juliet this time. Okay. I'm gonna try to make amends with Mr. McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> well, my instinct is to choose Clayton and like possibly secure my freedom 
before we get to Waypoint. But on the other hand, Susan's probably just going to go home when we get to Waypoint. So, like, <laughs> I'll pick Susan. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? I got this. <laughs> How many hits did you get? I didn't get any hits. Ah, and your attempts to make up with Henry McDonald, uh, something goes wrong. What happens? So I go up to Mr. McDonald and I tell him, look, sir, I know we had a misunderstanding and I'd really like you to get to know Sugar. Why don't you come ride on her with me and see how gentle she is? And I, and I help him up there. Uh, it's a pleasant ride. And uh, I go to turn around for getting my rifles on my back, and I smack them with the stock <laughs> right off the back of sugar into an ache pie. <laughs> so, so yeah, you you get them up there, and it's it's a it's actually kind of a little awkward being on uh, on her, on the back of uh, sugar with someone so large. Um, uh, but like you know, you're making making good of it, and he's like. Huh, I mean, I guess, you know, I can see some of the merits. You say they're very fast, so, you know, they may not be quite as tameable as, say, like, a, as a, a horse or quite as obedient, but I can see the, the appeal, especially a man in your line of work. Maybe it's a bit brash for me to say that they were dirty, smelly, large creatures. Uh, that was a bit bit uncouth. I, I am sorry. The the stress of the of the events had gotten to me. And then uh, you turn back to like you know say something kind back to him, and you just smack him in the face with your with your rifle in doing so, and he goes topping off the back and just like falls down uh, and like gets the wind knocked out of him, and then uh, you know everyone kind of like starts at that, and Sugar kind of uh, you know huffs and like turns as you like turn to see if he's okay. And he like starts to get up and he feels his jacket kind of stuck to the ground, and he goes, "No." No, no, no. And he like gets up and pulls off his like suit jacket and looks at the back and it's just caked in, in Ache dung. And, and he just goes, never again with these giant oversized hairy pigs. And he goes storming off to, to walk at the under, other side of the group. Oh, hey, hey, now, hold on. That was an accident. I'm sorry. You set this up. You and you think it's no, funny. No, with no, the, no, 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 you no. You badlands hooligan. And then he just goes storming off. <laughs> Red in the face. Not quite sure what to do with his jacket. He's kind of holding it out to the side awkwardly. Like he doesn't want to throw it on the ground, but he's not, he doesn't really want to hold it. <laughs> oh, that jacket's done for, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you shut it. And why isn't he in shackles anymore? Do your job, if anything, he says to Clayton and go, keeps walking <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Susan turns to you, Roy. Temper on that one. How many hits did you get, Roy? I got four hits. So you and Susan bond. How do you do so? Remembering that her father is basically like hovering to the side or behind you at all times. I was actually thinking, uh, given that Juliet wanted to speak with um, her father in between their watch, like that might be a good time to have a conversation, sort of out of earshot or eyesight, perhaps. Sure, yeah, that works. 
Uh, so you guys are getting set up for the camp and, uh, and Juliet and like, they're trying to like figure out their watch and, uh, Juliet ends up lingering and talking to, uh, Mr. Taylor. Uh, and at that moment, um, uh, Susan is nearby kind of getting her tent set up. So I will, uh, scope it out, you know, make sure Mr. Taylor is, is sort of out of the way and I'll, Hey, you want to learn to shoot a bow? She like doesn't reply immediately because she immediately feels like she has to look around and see where uh, her dad is. Doesn't see him anywhere, and she goes, "Absolutely." Yeah, we'll uh, we'll sneak off to you know like a little bluff somewhere, and uh, I will teach her how to uh, ambush people with valuables. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the key is elevation. A lot of people won't tell you that, but you get up high, and the shot is a lot easier. Also, if they don't know you're there, all those spots that are hard to hit suddenly just wide open. And I'll, I'll do the, you know, like you're teaching someone how to play pool or like play golf and sort of guide her hands on the bow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, she, she is warm to that touch. Uh, she, she kind of leans into you a little bit saying like, is my posture all right? And she is definitely getting flirty and touchy feely with it. Um, and also... Uh, she is not a bad shot. Um, uh, not like a great shot, but like she picks it up pretty quickly. Hey, wh- uh, what is it you say you do back in that city of yours? No, I'm not from a, a city. I'm, and she kind of stops for a second and goes, from a small town in the garden. I mean, I've never shot a bow before or even a gun, but I take ballet. So maybe the, maybe the skills transition a little bit, you know, the arm strength. And she pulls back the bow again and like you can see like the flexibility in her arm, like allowing her to like knock the the bow right against her her chin and release it nice and clean. Well, hell, you know, I, I legendary outlaw Roy Hampton's never worked with a crew or a partner before, but uh, skills like that, I'm starting to consider it. And she definitely blushes at that. Um, while that is going on, leading <laughs> up to about that point, um, <laughs> uh, Juliet has been talking to Joseph Taylor. So let's kind of wheel back in time a little bit. Uh, as Roy is going to talk to uh, Susan, uh, Juliet, you happen to be talking to Joseph. Uh, how many hits did you get? I got two hits. Okay. Uh, so Joseph will learn something about you. You guys are getting things kind of uh, set up for camp. Uh, you're kind of nearby Joseph and maybe he reads your body language and realizes you're about to talk to him or, or, or something. And he kind of actually comes up to you and says, uh, you know, I, I never thanked you for saving my, my daughter and my life on the train. No thanks necessary, but uh, you are welcome. You uh, seem to handle uh, at least a few of them all right by yourself. He kind of like doesn't meet your eye and kind of like looks off to the, uh, off to the horizon and is like, eh, I got lucky. That's all. But you, you, uh, there's no luck in what you do charging in head first like that. Uh, I've heard tell of gunslingers, not just gunfighters, people running with two, running around with a couple pistols, firing them off half cocked, but true gunslingers, people with a code, people with, with honor and, and a sense of righteousness. And honestly, I, I didn't think I'd ever really meet one. I guess I never thought I'd meet Badlands Pete while I was out here, but <laughs> anything's, anything's <laughs> possible, I suppose. It's just, I have to wonder, where'd you pick up that kind of discipline? Not something someone just learns on their own. Uh, no, I had a bad spot when I was uh, young and, 
and a fella took me under his wing and and uh, he happened to be uh what you're talking about that fabled gunslinger and uh he taught me what uh he knew before he passed i was lucky enough to make some friends who kept me alive long enough to get good rather than just being a gunfighter i i don't know so much from code just you know when you fire a shot generally speaking you better be willing to kill. It's like a choice, right? You can you can uh, take a life. Easy as that. So every time you got to ask, is this a life that needs taken? I can't imagine being raised amongst such violence and coming out stronger on the other end. It's admirable. It ain't nothing if it's all you knew, right? I, I appreciate the compliment, though. You ain't too shabby yourself, I think. I think there's a little bit more than what you're saying, but I get you're a private person, so uh, I won't inquire further. He looks a little taken aback when you say that, and he goes, I, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. I'll see you at the exchange of watch. Yeah, and he, my mistake. See you later. He uh, you know, nods to you and uh, turns <laughs> <laughs> and goes, Susan, has anyone seen Susan? I perk up at that and... Uh, wh- she missing? Yeah, she was... Susan? She was right. And then he looks around. He, like, stops for a second and looks around some more. And he goes, Bounty Hunter, where is your charge? <laughs> oh, would you look at that? He's not around here. I have no idea where he is. Royal Hampton, if you do not come out here right now, I will search for you till the ends of the universe and put a bullet in you. Uh, so right then, as Susan is is blushing at, uh, at your charming words, Roy, uh, she kind of, like turns to look at you you know your hands kind of both resting on the bow and then you hear cutting through the uh evening air just like a cold bucket of water on you the voice of juliet swearing to put a bullet in your in your brain should you not reveal yourself right now (laughs) i think i sort of heard everyone and i was like yeah 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 whatever 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 and then julia i will hunt you to the ends of the earth and kill you i was like all right well this has been very fun but i think we should get back to camp now <laughs> <laughs> and you you start making your way back and she's like ah, ah. <laughs> like just like like it's like deflates just slightly and then and then kind of like picks herself back up and like uh and rushes uh uh rushes back to camp with you and just a few seconds um just a few seconds later Roy and Susan both kind of come around into view and uh there's just a moment Roy where you like you stop and everyone's looking at you and then uh you see coming like bo- right for you uh Joseph Taylor uh, red in the face, aggressively, like, not charging you per se, but it looks like he's about to grab you. I'll handle this. And I'm going to grab him by the collar. And if you ever do that again, it, I told you not to take so damn long. Well, hey, 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 listen, hey, listen, hey, listen. It's a dangerous land out here. I just thought Susan should maybe know how to defend herself. So I offered to teach her how to use a bow, and I figured first time archery, not great near camp with lots of people who ain't good at getting out of the way of stuff. So like we just walked around that hill, and and that was it, right? That makes sense, like right? And uh, uh, Joseph kind of sits there, like you know, looking at you uh, with kind of Clayton having like interceded before he could really get his his hands on you, 
And he kind of looks around. He turns back to Susan and she goes, yeah, whatever he said. And like kind of <laughs> smirks at it. <laughs> now, since you can't behave and I put a restraint on one wrist and just make a clicking noise with the other. There, see what you've gone and done. Just play along. I'm trying to help you. Oh, Which no. Is... You've got me again, Clayton Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph, like, as you're kind of pulling uh, Roy away, Clayton, uh, Joseph turns to, to Susan, who's just, like, almost laughing at him. And he goes, pitch the tent, go to bed. And she kind of rolls her eyes at him and says, honestly, you got to lighten up, man. And like walks by him towards uh, towards the tent. So I'll go over and help uh, Susan put up that tent. So Roy Hampton. She looks at you and goes, are you about to give me a lecture just like him? Uh, probably not just like him. I just don't think you have all the facts. What? He's a smooth talking charmer from the city with a with a bit of a criminal record. That criminal record, are you familiar with what's on it? It's not important to me. I'm not spending I'm not planning on spending a life with him. His his criminal record ain't just like fraud or whatever, right? It's thieving, which is passable. You might just be trying to take all your things which you left behind anyway. But it's also murder. Now, I don't know how much you value your life. But uh, I value your life, and uh, ain't no telling if he does. So when you go around a corner with a murderer, it's best 50-50 that you're coming back. I'm sleeping in a camp of murderers. Everyone here's taken a life, whether it's from the shadows before someone has a time to draw, or whether it's in the heat of battle. Killing's a part of life. I ain't so privileged I don't know that. I think maybe your privilege has skewed your perception. <laughs> The difference between murder and defense is a big one. You should think about that. You know, if that don't bother you none, that's fine. I'll, if I were you, privileged woman who uh, had her pick of what she wanted to do, uh, I might value my life a little bit more. Some of us didn't have that choice. Uh, and then we're still in Shoot the Shit with uh, uh, Pete. You picked Juliet. Mm-hmm. So uh, later in that night, the camp, it's, it's no longer like sundown. The camp is up. People, some people are asleep. Some people are awake. Uh, Susan's dad is just like hovering over her. She's not allowed to get like more than three feet away from him at this point. Um, and uh, uh, you see Juliet kind of cleaning her guns, uh, before, uh, which is a ritual she does before she goes to bed every night. Uh, how many hits did you get, Pete? I got one. Ah, so Juliet, you get to learn something about Pete. <clears throat> Uh, hey. Hey, Pete. So you do that every night, huh? Reminds you what you're holding on your waist. Sure. You, uh, you doing okay? Yeah. It's been a lot of riding on you recently. I know, uh, Badlands Pete is a bit of a legend, but, uh, ain't nothing like the stories I've heard, of course. Just escorting some people out of the frigid mountains, but, um, I know you could have made it faster on your own. Uh, are you missing anything in Waypoint for us? Nope. Just, uh, f funnily enough, I was hoping to get back into the Badlands, and looks like it happened just a little earlier than I expected. And, uh, where were you coming from? Were you just in, in San Cordero? Yeah, my, uh, uh my, my mother, my, my real mother, uh, Lucinda, 
You were visiting her? It was more a visit to my brother, sort of. He, uh, well, he passed away recently in San Cordero. I'm sorry to hear that. My condolences. I appreciate it. Well, he and I, well, he, he was cut from a different cloth. We'll see. When I was, um, when I was a baby, the rest of my family, my whole family, we moved out to the Badlands and, uh, I moved out a bit more permanently than the others, but, um, Tommy, uh, Thomas, he never took to it. He always thought that, uh, you know, the life we left behind was, uh, the better one. So he went back, found me on his way, was living with, uh, living with the work. And at the time reintroduced me to civilization, but, uh, yeah, that didn't really take either. He was a good man. Well, I can't speak to having any real family or siblings or nothing, but uh, sounds like, if nothing else, uh, even if you didn't agree on some things, you were still cared about each other. You showed up, and I think that's important. At least I could do. It would have uh, put a smile on his face to see my uh, my raggedy ass in a factory town once again. <laughs> Well, I'll have to hear those stories about that work in living or whatever uh, sometime too. Sure. I mean, I get a feeling you already have. <laughs> well, they can't all be true. <laughs> what do you think? No, they ain't all true. <laughs> sure. Not all. And he sort of he sort of strolls away. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> So what is the order of watch? Juliet is the is the final one. I know that. She's an early riser. I'll take first watch. Okay. I'll take second, and then I think Joseph takes third. Cool. So uh, first up, Clayton, go ahead and roll observe for me. Uh, it is a minus three due to it being a pretty dark night. Actually, about that, <laughs> I'm going to use night vision. Okay, go ahead and roll that up. It's a somatics test. Four hits. So you will have night vision until you rest again, uh, and you get a plus two uh, to observe visually in the dark. Uh, so this time, uh, that those kind of like auras you were seeing around like living things, it's it's a little more uh, defined. It also like you know uh, the couple cacti around have a little bit of a glow to them. It's it's. The closest thing it can be just uh, equated to is like thermographic vision, right? Things with like heat signatures and life forces kind of kind of shine in the darkness to you. Uh, and so, yeah, go ahead and roll that observe test. Uh, you have no, you don't have the penalty for it being dark, and you get the plus two instead. Two hits. What's your highest? Eight. Uh, so your evening passes uh, relatively unspectacularly. You do see like. Uh, Warakin prowling in the night, but it doesn't seem very interested in your camp. You just watch as it goes by. A large, almost lion-sized wolf, kind of on its own. It kind of stops for a second and looks your way. You you feel like the fur on Sugar kind of like standing on end as she like tenses her muscles and like looks in the direction of the Warakin, like uh, snorting a couple times. And the Warakin just turns and keeps walking. Easy, girl. Easy. And uh, next up, uh, Badlands Pete, you uh, you wake up and swap places with Clayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and roll an observe test. It will be at a minus three for it being so dark. I got uh, a 10. 
What are you, what are you doing while you're on watch? Are you just sitting, or do you do something to keep your hands busy? Probably just sitting. Just another night sitting in the Badlands. You're kind of enjoying it, right? The the warmth of the ground with the cool breeze of the night the night air. It's a bit cloudy, but you can still see the two moons kind of shining through the night um, and some of the stars and a bit of the asteroid belt. And uh, you can hear like the the animals, uh, the nocturnal animals of the Badlands uh, kind of like chittering in the in the distance, echoing from who knows how far away. Uh, and then you hear some rustling and, you know, it kind of like makes you a little nervous and you hear some more rustling, maybe... Maybe even like a couple pebbles clattering as they're as they're moved around, and um, you kind of get this like sense of being watched. And then I need you to roll a dodge test for me. Uh, my highest is a nine. Uh, I got an eleven. Okay, you know, you have that like kind of sensation, and then more on instinct than really noticing the person lining up a shot on you. You dive forward, and the like little rock you're sitting on breaks apart as a shotgun blast hits it, and a loud shot rings out, waking up the entire camp. And I need you to roll another dodge test as you get shot at one more time. My highest is a 12. Ooh, 13. Uh, I will spend grit to play to the gallery and count a 13 myself. Same. I got a 14. Nice. <laughs> so you spend the grit right back at me. <laughs> so you get a you get a fourteen. So uh, this shot, you actually feel as one of the pellets from the shotgun digs its it digs into the heel of your boot as you scramble uh, uh, scramble towards another rock for cover. And at that moment, you uh, you see something flying through the air, Pete, and you uh, uh, and you have to shield your eyes as um, bottles of of whiskey with uh, with alcohol soaked rags land on the ground uh spreading flame across the camp uh some of the tents catch on fire uh smoke immediately starts uh uh, blowing in more smoke than you think uh, is actually reasonable uh pete it 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 feels like uh maybe there there's smoke coming from somewhere else hard to say and everyone needs to roll initiative so did anyone get better than uh a seven yep i got an eight as did I. Uh, Clayton, what did you get? Six. And Juliet? I also had six. So Pete, you had the forewarning of this attack because you were on watch and managed to sense it, but you didn't manage to really suss it out fast enough to warn your your companions. Uh, so Pete is not surprised, but everyone else in the camp is, which means your initiative score on this first turn is reduced by two. Well... I do believe I am ready for anything and cannot be surprised, Tommy. Ah, you have the ready for anything talent. Yes, uh, you do not suffer the penalties of being surprised. So uh, in that case, uh, Roy, you actually go first. Uh, so you hear the gun, the first gunshot, and you're already like up on one knee, uh, reaching for the for your bow. The second gunshot goes off, and you're on your feet, looking for for like the Walden gang. And um, then uh, your vision starts to get a little obscured as smoke begins to billow into into camp and fires begin to burst up all around you. All right. So I will flip down my night vision goggles and I will uh, look around for any assailants while also trying to find some cover. Okay, go ahead and roll an observe test. It will only be at a minus two for you. Uh, Does my clear sight talent uh, affect this? 
yeah, it will reduce the visibility penalties one more. So you're only at a minus one, actually. Uh, I rolled bad, and my high is a two. But I got two hits. Uh, okay, so you only see the close and obvious uh, uh, people, which is the, the one who is shooting at Pete at that side of the camp. Uh, he, you, see, you saw the muzzle flare when he shot at Pete. And so that's the only person you know for sure where they are. Uh, all right. I will uh, take a shot, and then I will dive for some secluded cover. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Uh, my high is an eight. My high is a ten. Uh, I will spend grit to play to the gallery. Okay. My high is a thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so how many net hits, or how much damage is that? Ten damage with four piercing. Yeah. So you knock an arrow, uh, pull it back. And let it loose. It goes flying through the camp. Uh, pretty decent range. Uh, uh, zipping through and uh, sticks right in this guy's shoulder. Uh, and he lets out like uh, lets out a shout as, uh, as he like stumbles back. Uh, pretty wounded, but still alive. Uh, and is it possible to find somewhere to hide? Hard to say for hiding because you don't know where there are eyes. Um, but you can definitely try and get some cover, at least from where you think some people would be attacking from. Nah, I'm going to do the dumb thing. Uh, I'm going to go towards uh, the uh, the tailor's tent to uh, get Susan and Joseph out of the way of uh, the fire. Okay. So, you, yeah, you start making your way through, uh, through there. You have to, like, run around a burning tent uh, to do so. Uh, and, Pete, it is your turn. So uh, I saw the guy closest to me get shot with an arrow and shout. Can I, can I look in the direction that the, uh, the bottles came from? You couldn't quite see exactly where they came from. They definitely came from like the left and the right of this guy, but you don't. You couldn't really tell how far. Uh, you could roll an observe test to try and spot more people than this one guy. Yeah, that's basically. Uh, so like. the the smoke and the darkness is going to be a minus three on your observe test. Cool. I got two hits. High seven. Uh, so my highest is a nine. So uh, it's just, it's too dark, too too smoky for you to really be able to spot exactly where anyone is. But you do know where this one guy is who has an arrow sticking out of his shoulder. Yeah, so he's in, he's in for some bad news. Um, I'm going to lasso him. Okay. Uh, you run out a little ways from the camp, kind of uh, sliding down uh, a little slope where he was kind of like ducked in uh, to take the shot. And you slide down and throw a lasso on him. Yep. As I'm as I'm running, I'm shouting, uh, "It's an ambush! It's an ambush! Get out! Get out of there! Everybody, get out! Get get to cover! Get somewhere safe!" So that's uh, four hits. High uh, nine. Okay. Uh, my highest is a nine as well, but you are the aggressor. All right. That's two net hits. You get uh, the lasso around this guy, pulling him in, tightening it around him. That kind of toxic uh, cord in the center seeping into his clothes. Uh, let's see if he can negate some of that. Uh, he does not, so he takes two extra damage from the toxin and uh, begins to feel like you can you see as he, like, kind of his knees get a little weaker. He already is hurt from this arrow, and the, the rope is, like, strapped right around his, like, uh, right around where the arrow is, and, like, the, the toxin is, like, getting into his bloodstream a little quicker. Also, as you pull him in, uh, uh, continuing your attack, now from this vantage point, you see one other guy uh, a little ways uh, to the left, uh, behind some rocks, uh, loading up a, a, a crossbow. So I'll hit him. Okay. Has 15. 
My highest is a nine. That's uh, three net hits. So that's going to be uh, 15 damage with the extra two to his armor. Yeah. You kind of wrap the, the lasso uh, around your elbow, give it a tug as you're sliding down, and you manage to, to knock this guy out cold. I'm going to keep running on over to the uh, next guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and beat this guy to shit. Okay. High eight. Uh, his high is a 10. Uh, so you come running at this guy. Uh, he hears his other friend get clocked in the face and shout out, though, so he knows you're coming. Uh, he finishes loading up his crossbow uh, and manages to uh, kind of dodge out of the way of your initial attack. But you do still have one more uh, unarmed attack. Yep, my Fist of Fury, and I'm going to use it. I only got a four. Okay, well, two net hits. How much damage is that? It's a ten, two serrated. Uh, because your serrated does two extra damage to his armor, you actually do enough damage just to kill the guy. Uh, how do you do it? So he's he's sort of down in a ditch looking up as I, I'm running at him, and I get a good leap off of a rock, and I do something I call the the copper bird dive and I, I come down and I, I swing my arm around on the way and like the wing of a copper bird I sort of slash right across his neck and uh, he doesn't take to it well. Yeah, you hear a crunch as your knuckles like dig into his neck and uh, and your serrated, uh, uh, the serrated aspect of your knuckle just kind of gashes him open and uh, he falls down into the dirt. Uh, Roy? Yes? Uh, you're you're rushing through the camp and out of the smoke steps uh, uh, not one but two men and one rushes forward at you with um, with his hooked sword and his repeating crossbow and uh, he is going to try and hook the sword under your leg to knock you down. My high is a twelve. Okay, yeah, I will spend grit uh, to play to the gallery and uh, that makes it a thirteen. So he does manage to hit you, not dealing any damage, but he hooks that blade underneath, uh, kind of burst in through like a, a cloud of smoke. Uh, you don't have enough time to react to him, and he catches your foot as you're running, and you just fall down onto your knees, kind of catching yourself with your, with your arms. Uh, and then he is going to try and shoot you with his crossbow. My high is only a five. Well, hey, my high is a seven. Okay. Uh, so you drop down, you hear the click of this, uh, repeater crossbow, like aiming at your head and you just kind of use that momentum to kind of scramble forward. And he, uh, he shoots a couple bolts that just barely miss you. Uh, but as you scramble forward, the other guy, uh, uh, steps in your way. Um, and he is going to try and, uh, shoot you with his shotgun. Uh, my high is a nine. My high is a seven. Okay, uh, so he does manage to hit you um, for seven damage with one armor piercing. My armor is destroyed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's one barrel of his double barrel shotgun, so he's going to pull the second one and try to take another shot at you. Uh, and my high is a six. Uh, I will spend two grit to play to the gallery and count this ten. Alrighty. So, uh... You get hit with the one. It kind of uh, shoots you. Uh, you were scrambling forward, and this one kind of hits you in the back and almost makes you fall fa- face down in the dirt. But you manage to keep yourself up, and then you kind of 
roll just instinctively, and as you do, the second shot that would have like hit you right in, like in the head or the shoulder uh, just skirts along the the ground, kicking up dirt and dust. Uh, meanwhile, Pete, uh, you are going to get shot at. Um, there's another another guy with a rifle uh, a little ways uh, away, and he's going to take a shot at you. And his high is only an eight. I got an eleven. Okay, I will spend grit uh, so that I can count this fifteen uh, as the crack of this guy's uh, uh, hunting rifle rings out and hits you uh, for six damage with two piercing. It's a through and through. Uh, bullet's not lodged in there or anything, but it does hurt. Ow! <laughs> uh, you hear you guys hear more gunshots ringing out from across the camp, but the smoke continues to billow in, making it a little hard to discern where everything is happening. And Clayton, it is your turn. I'm going to use live. Okay. Uh, as I hop to my feet, that is three successes. I think I'm going to hop on sugar and we're going to take a little ride through camp. Alrighty. Uh, so, uh, standing, standing up, hearing the shots, hearing Pete shouting, you see muzzle flare as people are fighting Pete, Pete kind of like off in the distance. You can see with your, with your night vision, uh, running, uh, running around, uh, causing havoc. Um, you also hear gunshots coming from all around the camp, but you see Roy getting, uh, getting knocked down and, uh, you, uh, kind of look down at your hands and you see that kind of familiar glow in your in your veins kind of seeping around through your body as you enhance your your reaction speed and uh, your dexterity and uh, and then uh, sugar uh, sugar kind of like kneels down without you even having to say anything like curls one leg down uh, to give you like an easy jump up and you just swing one leg over land on top of her and and uh, without you even having to kick her forward she goes running. Uh, in the direction you want her to. Uh, wh- who? What does she do? Uh, the guy that hooked Roy? Yep. Yeah, let's flatten him. Okay. Uh, his high is a five. Well, that is three net hits for 15 with two armor piercing. So um, uh, with her charge attack bonus, zooming through the air, uh, Roy, you get a glimpse of this because you've rolled over onto your back. Uh, you haven't actually seen an Ache, like, in the open, right? Really, the closest you've ever been to an Ache is Sugar. And until now, she's been, like, inside a train car and moving along, like, a narrow path. Uh, but with the distance of the camp between you and her, uh, she zooms forward, almost creating a billowing effect uh, in the smoke around her, blasting it out of the way as she moves at almost vehicular speed and just runs a horn right through the guy with the hook sword who's st- who's looming over you and bucks up uh, on her hind legs, uh, uh, Clayton kind of holding on to her mane uh, to stay uh, to stay on her and flings the the limp dead body of that bandit into the darkness of the night. And we're, and we're gonna keep scooting on to the next guy if possible. Yeah, she can make one more attack. My highest is 12. My highest is 8. That is two net hits for six damage. Okay, so uh, skewering that guy, she comes slamming down, kind of uh, turning her body and reaching her hooves out, and she just kicks 
this uh, this guy with the rifle or with the shotgun back, uh, slamming him in the chest, knocking the wind out of him as he kind of stumbles back, shocked. Because for a sec, for a moment, his vision was just Roy on the ground, and now he's got an Ache in his face. And uh, Juliet, you're up. I imagine I'm still in my bedroll. Basically, am I standing up yet? Yeah, you, you can have you can have stood in the few seconds of everyone else doing all this other stuff. Without having to roll an observation test, um, uh, you can see uh, where Roy and Clayton and Sugar are fighting that one guy, and you also see off in the distance uh, the muzzle flare of people fighting um, uh, Badlands Pete. Um, you also hear more ruckus around the camp, um, but uh, it would take an observe test to suss out the other enemies. Uh, do I see and or hear any of the lack citizens? <laughs> Go ahead and roll an observe test. It'll be at a minus three. Uh, I got no hits. Uh... Uh, you you okay. you hear like amidst all of the shouting and, and uh, gunfire and everything, you hear familiar voices, but you're not able to like pin them down to any particular direction. You know the general like where people's were like sleeping though. Yeah, I'll head that way toward where I know some of the civvies were sleeping. Uh, sure. The nearest tent is probably where Cade and Welby were sleeping. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, you rush through the smoke kind of stinging at your eyes and, uh, you get to their tent. You hear, uh, you hear Welby shouting and Cade, uh, saying like Cade yelling at him as he steps out of the, uh, out of his tent and he's like, stay in there, stay in there. You'll be safe in there. You'll be safe. And he turns and sees you and, uh, looking at Cade, uh, your vision kind of moves over his shoulder and to the left and you see uh, a bandit uh, moving in on him to take a shot at his back. I'll, I'm going to shoot him. Not Cade. I'm going to shoot the bandit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Cade sees uh, Cade sees you and sees you raise your gun and he hits the deck immediately going, Ah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and roll. Uh, 13. This bandit's highest is a 10. Uh, excellent. That is... Uh, three hits, which is 15 damage uh, with two piercing. Uh, so you uh, raise your guns. Uh, Cade hits the deck, thinking you're aiming at him for some reason. You fire off one shot. This bandit, who didn't actually really see you, he was kind of like, he saw the tent and saw the outline of Cade and was moving in on Cade. And then Cade just like ducked down and you're standing there. And you hit him, uh, you hit him clean uh, in the head. And his, uh, like, he has, like, kind of, like, a, an armored cap he was wearing, and it goes flying off. Uh, and there's, like, a blood, uh, a bloody bruise on his forehead where the impact hit. Uh, but he, like, kind of stumbles back, dazed, uh, uh, shouting, and you can get another shot off before he, like, kind of stumbles back out of sight. Uh, yes, I would like to do that. Uh, my highest is a 13. His highest is a 10 again. Uh, 10 damage uh, with two piercing. Yeah, the second shot uh, follows almost exactly the same trajectory as the first shot, but this goes through his left eye, uh, uh, blowing his head out, and he flops down out of sight uh, into the darkness. Okay. Uh, Cade, grab your brother, stand behind me. We're going to work our way to the edge of the camp, okay? Uh, He kind of, like, looks up and looks behind, sees the dead uh, bandit kind of tumbling down a a small slope, and he goes, "Uh, yeah, yeah, Welby, come here. And uh, he's clutching his his rifle, um, but not really, like, ready to level it at anyone. 
Um, all right, cool. Uh, have I put myself in harm's way for no reason other than to protect others? Sure have. Everyone gets an XP. And uh, has an innocent life been saved uh, with an exchange of bullets? That is correct, yes. There wasn't any, like, real exchange. I just deposited some, but I figure <laughs> it counts. <laughs> um, I'm going to double down. Okay, you spend four grit, and you get another turn. And as we kind of move, uh, do I see either friends or foes? Uh, so you move uh, through the camp, through the smoke, approaching the next tent. It has a little bit of fire on it, and there's a scuffle going on on the outside. And you see uh, Irene Bennett, uh, the indentured servant, uh, holding a small dagger, uh, and she's swinging it. At a at a bandit who seems to be kind of toying with her. It's one of the bandits with a with like a hooked blade and a, a crossbow. Uh, she's got a crossbow bolt in her leg, and he and she's kind of swinging at him, and he's kind of like chuckling and like opening himself up. He's like, "Come on, sweetheart, give me your best shot." How about you take mine? <laughs> My highest is a fourteen. Uh, he got a six. Fifteen damage, two piercing. Uh, so before he has a chance to even respond as you say that stepping out to his side you just shoot a, a, a bullet straight through his temple and out the other side and he crumples to the ground uh, Irene lets out a shout and like turns towards you she's a little like wild eyed cl- clutching that small dagger uh, with white knuckles uh, blood kind of seeping down her leg a little bit uh, her normally very primly and properly like pulled back tightly uh, hair um, is kind of uh, a bit of a mess uh, and hanging in front of her, her face, sweat like pouring down and she just looks at you for instruction. Why don't you grab that uh, that big old hook blade and uh, get on behind me with the boys. We're, uh, we're heading to the edge of camp. Uh, follow me. Uh, she sheathes the small dagger in a hidden uh, sheath in the center of her blouse and kneels down, kind of picking up the blade. The weight seems a little uh, awkward to her at first, but she steps behind uh, Welby and Cade uh, and continues following you through the camp. You move on and uh, you see the next tent through the smoke. Uh, This tent isn't on fire, uh, but you do see one bandit kind of moving towards it uh, and he's like, he's ripping the the flap open, uh, shotgun in hand. I'd like to shoot at him. Okay. I have a 15. Uh, his highest is an eight. I have three net hits, which is 15 damage, two piercing. So this shot does not kill this person outright, uh, but he rips open the tent, kind of knocking it knocking it over on its uh, poles. And you see uh, Francis Gibson uh, cowering, uh, uh, holding uh, what looks like a letter opener in his hand. And uh, before this guy uh, can really like aim and shoot, uh, you hit him right in the uh, in like the side, and blood shoots out uh, out his uh, out his abdomen, and he kind of stumbles and lets out a shout, and his uh, shot goes off wild, uh, and Francis kind of like dives and ducks uh, ducks trying to like find cover somewhere. Roy, it is your turn. The smoke is getting worse and worse. Uh, now all attacks are at a minus one. Uh, as the smoke is stinging everyone's eyes. Uh, the camp is uh, in a complete haze at this point. Do my goggles protect me from that in any way? Uh, no, because even even though they lessen the sting a little bit, the haze is still there. Can I get to Juliet? Uh, yeah, yeah. She's gotten within... She's basically, like, 
you and Clayton went dead center uh, towards uh, a point into camp. Uh, she's kind of been moving around the perimeter of camp, getting people through tents, and you see her uh, take a shot at that at that guy, and he stumbles, uh, and you see Francis kind of cowering below. All right, I will get over to Juliet, uh, and I will say, so you're like a capital G gunslinger, yeah? That's generally how you spell it. All right, I will shoot this fella real quick. <laughs> Uh, well, I got a nine. He got a two. He takes 15 damage. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this, you say you kind of shoulder up against Juliet, uh, and you see this guy clutching his side, kind of like turning. You say, uh, you ask Juliet, uh, that question, knocking an arrow. You let loose the arrow, and it goes flying, uh, right into the bandit's right eye, and he kind of stumbles forward, and the second barrel of his shotgun goes off into the ground, and he falls down. Uh, and then I will call out into the night. Hey, Charlie Walden! I always knew you were a shitty gang leader, but I didn't realize you was a coward. Too afraid to come confront the, the woman who done shot your brother right in the face. Send your bandits to ambush us while we're asleep. I get out of this, I'm gonna tell everyone how yellow you are. <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll manipulation. We'll put it at a minus three just because, you know, you're in a you're you're speaking from a from a position of not super strength. <laughs> right now, I have a four, but that could change. Uh, his highest is a nine. Cool. I will spend two grit to play to the gallery. I got an eleven. All right, how many net hits is that? Sadly it is just the one. Uh, so there's a couple more shots that ring out in the in the night, more shouting, and then like in like a brief moment where the the cacophony like kind of is in between uh, beats, you hear Char Charlie's voice ring out from somewhere in the darkness. Roy Hampton, that you? <laughs> yeah, what of it? <laughs> you slippery son of a bitch! You better hope I don't find you. You still owe me seventy spurs. I ain't running. Are you for real right now? <laughs> you seem like you know how to handle a gun, and I know for a fact he don't. <laughs> Pete, you're up. Just out of curiosity, that that voice didn't come from anywhere near me, did it? Not that you could tell. All right, then this this other fellow's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Lasso. He's uh he's pushing up the bolt on his rifle, uh, uh, letting a cartridge out. And you throw the lasso through the night as you run at him. I got a 13. Oh, he only got a 10. Yeah, it's just the one that hit. Okay. That's still a, he's still lassoed, so he still has to resist the, the toxin, mm -hmm. which actually he does. So he doesn't take any extra damage as you pull him towards you uh, with the lasso. And you have him in a rating one grapple. And punch. I got a 13. All right. His highest is a 10. It's only one net hit. Okay, how much damage is that? It's a uh, five with a, a two serrated. Should I go ahead and just start hitting him again? Yeah, he's still standing. You pull him in. Uh, he kind of resists a little bit, but you know you're able to walk forward the extra couple steps you need to as you pull the rope tight against him, and uh, you you like get a punch, but he turns his body to like kind of block a little bit with his elbow. Uh, uh, you knock off like a, a an armor pad there, um, and you go in for another hit. Mm -hmm. His high is only a five here. Yeah, he's gonna take all twenty damage. <laughs> yeah, that does him in. So he turned a uh, little a little ways, uh, but you finish him off. Uh, do you have a special move for that one too? 
yeah, I do sort of a, a, a Warwick and Slash all down the side of him, where I just sort of turn and sort of like a, a swim move, and I just slash my fist down down that uh, opening I made in his side, and just I get in real deep and I crack a couple ribs. Yeah, just a, a, a flurry of like of slashing punches almost uh, into his side, and he lets out a shout, and then like you pull the lasso off of him as his body tumbles down the slope. Can I see anyone else? Uh, go ahead and roll an observe test. Uh, this will be at a minus four as the smoke is uh, getting thicker and uh, it is still very dark. Got a seven. Uh, you actually don't spot anyone else at this particular moment. Uh, you do know that there's fighting going around inside the camp, though. You can see where your companions are by the light of the fire. Yeah, I'll head over there. And if I see anybody along the way, I'll punch them. Okay. You don't see anybody and it takes the rest of your turn to kind of like start rejoining the group. You make it back into like the camp almost to where Roy and Juliet are, but not quite. I, uh, I got a few. How's it going in here? Woo-hoo! <laughs> All right. There's some more shouting, but a little less gunfire at this point. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. The haze is, is too bad for you to really like spot anything um, until uh, Clayton... Um, out of uh, out of the smoke in the uh, out of the smoke on the other end of the, the camp nearby you, a uh, couple shots ring out. Uh, so go ahead and roll a dodge or a wrangle test to avoid this. Uh, and this is going to target both you and Sugar. So Sugar is going to have to roll a dodge as well. My highest is ten, and Sugar's highest is nine. Uh, my highest is, uh, 12. Uh, so you and Sugar both take 12 damage with two armor piercing, uh, as a burst of, of gunfire shoots out from this guy's rifle who's kind of taken some cover by, by some of the, uh, uh, some of the supplies. Uh, and Clayton, it is your turn. Can I have Sugar go first? Absolutely. She's going to charge that, uh, supply pile where... That gentleman thought it was a good idea to shoot at me and my baby girl. Okay. Go ahead and roll her attack. This will count as one of her charging attacks. His highest is a three. Oh, that poor bastard. Uh, Three net hits for 15 damage to armor piercing. Uh, So 15 damage hurts him quite a bit, uh, but does not quite kill him. All right, second attack, high 11. Uh, His highest is an 8. Two net hits for 6 damage, no armor piercing. Uh, Yeah, her second attack takes him out. Okay, uh, so she gores him and uh, throws him up, and as she's flying over ahead of me, I point my rifle up and fire into him as he uh, falls to the ground (laughs) and keep riding through the camp. Okay, uh, you yeah, you kind of right burst out of the side of the camp, uh, having attacked that guy. You kind of swing around, and um, as you do, you actually see the source of some of this smoke. Uh, looks like they the bandits uh, kind of surrounded the camp with uh, with like dry thickets and uh, burned them like with like a, a smoldering ember to make them smoke really heavily, and and then the wind was carrying it into camp. Um, and as you kind of burst through that area, you look around and you don't see any other bandits around. And uh, from a distance, Roy, you hear Charlie Walden's voice shout out, Maybe next time, Roy. Maybe next time. Coward. Uh, and there's a moment where uh, there's 
quiet, quiet, and then you hear a woman's scream from somewhere in the camp. I will head that way. I'm checking my little like contingent that I've collected, Francis and Irene, and and the two boys, making sure they're not hurt. Uh, I mean, Irene has that bolt in her in her leg, but beyond that, she's she seems fine. I'm gonna run off in the direction I heard the voice, and uh, if I can't. You know, see any any horses or any, or any men? At least uh, try to pick up the tracks while they're still fresh. Yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead and roll survival. It's still very dark and hazy around here, so we'll be at a minus four. Okay, Juliet's tending to her small contingent. Roy's running towards the sound of the woman's scream. Pete is kind of catching a catching a trail, and um, uh, Clayton. Uh, I think I'll go. Investigate that scream. Figure out what that is. Okay. Uh, so, Roy, as you're moving through the camp, uh, it seems like the the smoke is starting to clear a little bit uh, as, like, the the flames that were on some of the tents have, like, more, more or less burned out. And it seems like the the embers that were burning the, uh, the thickets that were kind of smoldering around the camp have kind of burnt down a little. Um, and you're running towards the sound of that scream, uh, which has, like, kind of turned to, like, whimpering as the Ache and Clayton kind of zoom up alongside you. And for like a, the briefest of seconds, you think that he's about to like tackle you and cuff you or something, but he just, he just moves alongside you. <laughs> you just jump over some rubble all cool. Like, and he pulls the Ache to a stop and you end up at, uh, at the tent that you recognize as the Taylor's tent. Uh, I will investigate. Uh, the flap is, uh, is kind of undone, but closed at the moment and you open it up and, um, you see, Andrea Domingo inside the camp, uh, kind of letting out a shout um, and laying next to her, uh, gut shot and possibly dead is uh, Joseph Taylor. Susan Taylor is nowhere to be seen. Can I remove this barb um, from Irene? Yeah, go for it. It'll be a first aid test. Okay, great. Three hits. All right. Uh, this is not your first time treating uh, barbed wounds, um, and your husband is a medicine man, uh, so uh, you know how to safely remove these. Uh, and you kind of kneel down next to Irene and kind of like twist and pull uh, slowly, and then uh, uh, get like gauze in the wound before it can start bleeding out. And um, she she like kind of like winces at the pain, but doesn't really like shout out. She's she's made of some tough stuff you can tell okay so just keep pressure on it everybody else okay i'm gonna go see what that was uh they kind of like float towards the like middle of camp uh as you move towards the edge where clayton and roy are roy and clayton um andrea's looking at you going i i, I ducked in here for safety i i didn't think he, i uh, is he is he dead uh i will check if he is dead and also if she is lying and used the cover of an ambush to kill him. Cause like if I had a grudge, it's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, since you have playing the player, you can go ahead and roll manipulate to try and see if she is manipulating you. Uh, I got an 11. She seems to be telling the truth as far as you can tell. All right. Yeah. Is this fella dead? Uh, as soon as you like kind of reach down and like touch him, uh, his eyes open up and he like lets out like a shout of pain. Uh, and Andrea screams and like kind of pulls back, almost knocking the tent over. I'll uh, call out. Hey, uh, Francis, could use your uh, medical expertise here right quick. Uh, he goes, oh, uh, yeah, OK. And uh, uh, 
Juliet, you see as he's like rushing up behind you and then stops for a second and has to rush back to his tent and kind of fumble in the in the wreckage of it to find the med kit. In that time, you get to where Clayton and um, Roy and Andrea are standing over a very heavily wounded, uh, bad looking Joseph Taylor. Uh, yeah, I'll get down right next to him and like cradle his uh, head if I can. There's a there's a moment of pause and then the tent flap flies open as Francis moves in and he sees the like the blood and the wound and goes, oh, and has to like kind of suppress like a gag. And then he like mm-hmm. takes a few deep breaths and looks back towards him and goes, I, I don't know how much I can do. Uh, maybe maybe I can help a bit. I don't, I don't know. And he like drops down with the med kit and starts fumbling with it a little bit. I guess I'll uh, see if I, if there ain't anything I can do to help. The, the wound is pretty dirty at this point. It looks like it was in the scuffle. It, it got like dirtied a bit. He like kind of maybe fell on his stomach first and rolled over. Uh, so the conditions are pretty bad. It will be at a minus two. Okay. Um, that does not assist Francis enough for him to salvage his very, very bad roll. And uh, he kind of looks up after like kind of messing a little bit with it and like uh, pulling out some some gauze and trying to like kind of stem some of the bleeding. And he looks up at you, Juliet, like his his arms already soaking to the elbow. And he goes, uh, this is this is beyond me. I, I I can't stop the bleeding. I can slow it down, though. And then he looks around and he looks at Clayton and says, we're not far from from Waypoint, right? It'll be a rough ride, but maybe just maybe we can get him there. Uh, at that, Joseph like kind of squirms as if trying to stand up. No, don't. You're you're very badly hurt. <laughs> they took her. They they took her. They took her. Why? I mean, we'll get her back. Don't worry. I have to go. I have to protect her. You don't understand. And he coughs up uh, a little bit of blood. You don't. You couldn't know. Her name isn't Susan Taylor. She's not my daughter. He like sits there for a second. Uh, looking around, he finds his gun kind of sitting next to him and he reaches and like kind of grabs it and pulls it towards him. Uh, and he goes, her, her name is Eliza Valencourt. My name is Victor Davies. I'm not her father. I'm her bodyguard. Roy, you can roll connections at a plus two since you are from the garden. Anyone else can roll, anyone else in the tent can roll connections at a minus two if they want. All right, well, I spend two grit to play to the gallery, and I got four hits. Yeah, you know that name. Most people who grew up in the garden know that name. Uh, Valancourt is one of the most influential names in the garden. Several prominent figures, uh, ranging from judges to mayors and professors, uh, are from the expansive Valancourt legacy. He, He continues speaking. She's the daughter of the late Honorable William Valancourt. He left her nearly all of his wealth and property. These highwaymen must have known who she was. That's the only reason they would attack the railway. Only that kind of rancid would make the risk worth it. He looks directly at you, Juliet, and like coughs a little bit more, tries to struggle to get up, but doesn't even seem to have the strength to really sit. We're going to get you uh, on the Ache, and we're going to we're gonna get you to, to a, a dock, and everything's going to be okay. We're going to, we'll go find her. She'll be back before you know it, okay? He kind of grabs at your jacket, Juliet, and kind of pulls you in, not like aggressively so. Uh, his vision seems blurry. Uh, his hair is matted against his forehead with sweat. And he says, you have to rescue her. 
You have to promise me you'll bring her back safe. Otherwise, I'd rather bleed out in the desert searching for her. <coughs> Bill Valancourt was a good man. I owe him everything. I will bring her back to you, but you gotta stay alive so I can do that. Okay? He sits there for a second, kind of trembling with the pain. His skin, even against your, uh, even through your jacket, you can feel his hand is like icy cold. He like nods and releases his hand and kind of flops back onto the ground, like wincing in pain. And uh, uh, Francis like messes with the the med kit and uh, and looks up and goes, "I can I can keep him alive till waypoint. We we have enough medical supplies." How fast? Is it to waypoint by sprinting Achi? You could cut the time down quite a bit. Uh, Pete, what did you get on your survival to pick up the trail? Yeah, I got two hits. Uh, you do pick up the trail. It seems to be heading west, but uh, you, you don't get much more detail than that. You don't know exactly how many of them there are. Uh, it's not a hard trail to follow because there are obviously a lot of them and they are all going in the same direction. Um, so mm-hmm. it all kind of converges in, in kind of one large path that is heading west. Got it. I'll come back to camp and relay what I know. I think we have enough mounts to send all the mounts with all these civilians over to Waypoint while we go uh, rescue Ms. Valancourt. There are three horses, an Aache and a motorcycle, all of which I believe can seat two. Yeah, let's salvage what we can of this camp. Quick as we can, we'll get the Aache packed up with Francis and Victor. And send them off, and and from there we'll we'll send everybody with what we can. the The most important thing right now is is, is saving the life that we can. Henry McDonald, kind of disheveled uh, from uh, the attack, uh, but seemingly unwounded, uh, climbs up on one of the horses. Andrea Domingo climbs up on another horse. Uh, with your help, Francis is able to get the the man now known as Victor Davies. Onto Sugar. Cade and Welby both climb onto a horse. Uh, Welby sitting in front of Cade kind of securely. And Irene Bennett, uh, uh, now with her leg like a little patched up, uh, kind of grabs the the tear in her dress uh, and rips it more uh, so that she can get on the, uh, get on the motorcycle and um, sits on the motorcycle and like kind of like feels it a little bit. And uh, for like a second, like breaks the tension, just like looking at Roy and just kind of like giving him like a respectful nod. Hey, you watch that green button in the center. Uh, anyone following you? That's the smoke screen. She she looks at it. Her thumb was actually kind of close to it. And she like kind of raises her thumb up and goes, good to know. And just for some peace of mind, I have an ability I'd like to share with everybody. Help us keep in touch. While we're separated, and also possibly help my sugar get back to me, and I'm going to use uh, telepathy. Okay, go ahead and roll that. Uh, that is a mentalist power, so go ahead and roll mentalist. I am going to play to the gallery, and I'm going to make my own luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to twist the knife so that this lasts. For half a week. Okay. Spending a significant amount of grit. You guys watch. Uh, some people are a little confused. Um, Francis actually looks a little intrigued. Clayton cl- closes his eyes. And you see that this kind of pulsing kind of golden energy kind of 
rush through his body, kind of following along the paths of like his veins. Uh, and, and he glows almost for a moment and that, that, that light just kind of shimmers across his skin for like a moment. And then he opens his eyes and the pupils are bright golden, uh, yellow. And, um, all of you feel this kind of energy bristle up your, your spine and, uh, and like almost as if the hair on your head is standing on end though, you know, looking around, no one's like, no one's got like crazy frizz hair. Uh, and, uh, you feel goosebumps as your minds meld with Clayton's mind and a a telepathic connection is made between all of you. Whoa. And I will demonstrate how to do this by explaining we all can now communicate telepathically over long distances. He says this to you, uh, without moving his lips, you hear his voice in your head. Holy this will let us be able to help you get to waypoint safe and guide you. And I can give instructions to Sugar here. There's like a, a, a moment of silence. And then you just all hear simultaneously in your head, Francis's voice going, fascinating. <laughs> 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 and then he like kind of looks around and everyone's looking at him and he goes, Oh, I did it. (laughs) 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 And uh, as they're all getting ready to leave, Sugar kind of walks over towards you, Clayton, and uh, and like nuzzles uh, her head against your arm uh, so that you can kind of scratch her behind her ear where she likes it. Good girl, Sugar. Hurry on back. Be safe. And I give her a kiss on her nose. And she lets out like a, a hot breath, like snort, like, and, uh, and turns to lead the, uh, lead the rest of them to Waypoint. All right, y'all. Safe travels. Obviously, you'll be keeping in touch. They kind of all nod at you, and you watch as this ragtag troop of passengers from this high-speed rail, first and second class passengers, almost for a second looking like they belong in the Badlands as they make their way north towards waypoint and the four of you turn your sights to the west the sky starting to illuminate as the sun is beginning to rise and badlands pete has a trail the bandits are out that way somewhere with eliza valancourt in tow and uh over the telepathic link still sort of getting the hang of this thing uh just pops into my head well damn i could be a trophy husband for a valancourt <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we'll end our session <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by enpc productions all rights reserved the essential npcs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by tommy cotton manifest the rpg is property of tommy cotton all rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifestthrpg.com.